Hi everyone, I'm Margot Faraci. Welcome to Heart and Hustle, How to Thrive in a Crisis. Today, I'm talking with Soren Trampadak. He's the founder and chairman of Work Club Global. With a background in Danish furniture design and craftsmanship, Soren helped orchestrate the workplace culture of organisations such as Google, Facebook, Deloitte and Microsoft. And witnessing the successes arising out of those environments, he was inspired to create Work Club, a shared office and members club. Soren, thanks for making the time to join us today. Thank you. Soren, you say that if fear is the usual response to dramatic change, then Work Club gives you another option and that's inspiration. That's really desperately needed today, I think. With the global co-working player, we work in such public, dire financial circumstances. How have you moved past fear and into inspiration to drive the success of Work Club? I think, you know, you can look at the future from two angles, either with fear or Mm -hmm. excitement. And Mm -hmm. I've definitely always been on the excited side. Uh, So for me, it comes natural. You know, and even when COVID hit, um, my instant reaction and my gut reaction is it's opportunity, it's excitement. Yeah. you shouldn't probably say that too loud, you know, because it's <laughs> it's a tough environment for most people and for all of us. But it is, I love change. I just, you know, thrive on change. And if it's too static for too long, uh, it doesn't excite me. It gets, you know, I get bored. So I think from, from my journey with Work Club, it's always been about evolving it and continually learning from what we've done and trying to use those same principles to do more mm-hmm. and having... Um, bigger impact. You've you've actually um, done really well as a business at Work Club through this crisis, and you're not uh, the same as other co-working spaces. So why do you think you've done so well? I think quite early on we um, we went out to our members essentially and uh, and allowed them to pause their memberships. Okay, and that was just a, a, a very quick thing that we did mm-hmm. before any announcements were made from government in terms of support. So it was, I felt it was the right thing to do. But terrifying uh, in terms of your revenue. Yeah, because we didn't know. Yeah. We didn't, we, and we expected 100% to take it up. Yeah. Um, it wasn't 100%. Mm-hmm. It was less than that, which mm-hmm. was a nice surprise. And we continued to allow members to do that in May as well. Mm-hmm. And then when we turned it back on again in June, I think we had a lot of goodwill from people that um, A, wanted to come back. This is both for Melbourne and Sydney at the time. Yeah. Um, so we had a... We bounced back very quickly to almost uh, the levels we were at before. But when you when you are offered the membership pause to people, you didn't know if that was going to be for a month or for no, a year. No. So how do you find the opportunity in that? Well, first of all, we needed to secure the business, and we needed to make sure that we were okay. And and one of the things that we've always done is not to grow too fast. Yeah. So we did make sure that we did have some reserves in place, and. Um, you know, that's been part of the planning as well, not going too fast. And we have been a sustainable business from the first year. Mm-hmm. So we've been generating a profit from the first year. Uh, we're not in it just for the strategic reason. We are also in it to, to be a sustainable business yeah. and, and provide returns. And it must be um, a real dance that you do between wanting to keep your staff on the premises safe and also ensuring your members can come back in. So how have you thought about that responsibility? So the staff part was always a key one for me because that's really we're very much about the people side. Yeah. So this is one of those changes that we see, we've see we seen so much in this crisis that 
Um, people have some ideas of, about how they want to change their business, but in normal times, it's it's just too hard. In a crisis, your ability to accelerate and really deliver on that change, yeah. you know, happens. And, and I think as a team as well, we had a look at the team and and I felt this was actually an opportunity to reshuffle a couple of things and, yeah. and uh, uh, invest. So even though we went through this period, I actually went out and hired. So we hired three, four really experienced people, which we had the opportunity to hire now because the market had changed. Yeah. Uh, so we hired capabilities at a very experienced level because um, it's essentially I see us growing and I wanted to increase the level of experience on our leadership team. So that's an opportunity too. Yeah. Who are the members who've come back? What have you noticed about them? What are they looking for when they're coming into work club? So the first thing, they need to know that it's safe environment. Mm-hmm. So that's the first tick. Um a lot of people are just finding that they need the connection in the office. They need the social aspect. You know, working from home works, but it doesn't work full time for most. Yeah. And I think we're just seeing that shift. We're seeing it as well. So when we were busy from a Monday to Friday, our peak time is now Tuesday to Thursday. So I'm yeah. talking to S- Sydney. Sydney is back to normal Tuesday to Thursday. Mm-hmm. Monday and Friday, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. People are working from home. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not a cyclical change. That's a permanent change. Yeah. And I'm seeing that with companies of all sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a major permanent change that, that's that's about to take So you're place. getting corporates, you're getting staff of big corporates coming in to use Work Club. Yeah, absolutely. So we have all sizes. You yeah. know, we have... Uh, you know, the big well-known Macquarie, NSET, those guys, and then through to the individuals. Yeah, and that's because the big corporate offices, no one wants to be in them and, and the corporates don't want to pay for them anymore. Part of that too, you know, all the all, all companies are looking at how can they contract mm-hmm. long-term commitments mm-hmm. in CBDs yep. mainly and how can they build a flex valve uh, into that equation on a at a CBD level but at a fringe level as well. Yeah meaning that people don't need to commute in and um, fringe locations are cheaper. Yeah. You know, it's basically lowering your cost base, your yeah. fixed base. I think uh, I really think you're pushing into the start of the transformation of CBDs all over the world. Absolutely, uh, which is exciting because it's needed to do that. And it, it was on, on its way anyway. So yeah. I think what we're seeing with COVID is just fast forward everything three to five years. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything new as such. It's more accelerating a change that I think would have happened anyway yeah now you do hold a strong belief in what you refer to as the anti-disciplinary approach what do you mean by that oh it's kind of i know it's a weird word but it kind of it's a it's almost core to what work club is all about so uh, maybe i start with that do you mind if i just explain how, what, why i started and and it, it was founded so when i wrote the concept back in 2005 it was all around diversity but diversity in industries and disciplines. Yeah. So uh, I've had this theory for many years, a bit of a fluffy theory around Da Vinci, you know, how he lived in uh, Renaissance or in Florence in the early Renaissance period, where that was the center of the world in terms of, you know, new ideas, all these cultures coming together, lots of new inventions. And he at the time was very calculative, calculative about who he surrounded himself mm-hmm. with in his local network because he felt diversity in that network in industries and disciplines mm-hmm. elevated the quality of his works. Mm-hmm. I think if you fast forward it forward to today, the relevance is that 
all industries are being disrupted. You know, companies of all sizes, and particularly now going through COVID. Um, where do you find answers to some of that uncertainty that is out there? You know, if you work in your own silo, industry, network, you're less likely to find some, some of those answers. It's the thinking of the same as if what you've already got. I, I, exactly. And um, if you, But if you move yourself outside of that, you will get different perspectives. Yeah. And I generally believe that's why people come back and they're looking for that. They're, they're looking for answers too because none of us really know what's ahead. But if you have a lot of diversity around you, you have a bigger chance of actually being part of that. And that's what I mean with antidisciplinary. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you imagine you take a white piece of paper mm-hmm. and you put a few black dots on that white piece of paper, the black dots are industries and disciplines that we know of today. Yeah. All the white, you know, that's, that's where my optimism comes out, that's right? That's the unknown. Yeah, but it's future black dots. <laughs> and if you look at disruption for the last 10 years, disruption have mainly been tech plus one and two industries coming together yes. and disrupting. Yes. I think going forward, it's more likely to be tech plus six, seven, eight disciplines coming together and yeah. creating completely new disciplines. Yeah. So from a selfish perspective, I want to surround myself with as many black dots, industries and disciplines as possible because I have that's access to knowledge, that's power, and therefore, I have a probability of being more involved in creating new black dots. That's the core idea with Work Club, where we create a community that has there's all these black dots mm-hmm. as diverse as possible, so that you put yourself in the best possible position to be part of the future and driving the future, not just be a passenger. I think that's hugely exciting. And, you know, there's that Einstein quote around, you can't solve the problems of today with the same thinking that created them. How can you in your own discipline? The answers are out there, but they're probably outside your discipline and with people that you haven't thought of. So I think that's fantastic. Which brings me to the Florence Guild. And, you know, I imagined when I read about that, that that was inspired by the artisan guilds and the shared creativity of Renaissance Florence. Turns out it is. Can you tell us how it is driving connection and discovery, what you've seen on the ground there? So Florence get this from Deventi theory, yeah. and it was our attempt seven years ago when we started to uh, bring people together in a meaningful way and have meaningful conversations. So it started seven years ago with somebody, we put, we put somebody on a bar stool, start a conversation, no tech, no slides, but start a conversation and bring in the diversity of the membership into that conversation as quickly as possible. Friction, because there'll be different opinions, is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it evolved from that to what we now do today, which is a set of experiences. We call them experiences. It's Mm -hmm. a menu of seven, eight different kind of experiences, everything from one-on-one engagement to roundtables to small intimate events, um, social work, life, anything under the umbrella of life. The objective is to bring people together in a subtle way and have meaningful connections and conversations so Mm -hmm. that once you've been to one of those experiences or two, you're connected with those people and you feel connected um, and you seek that as well. And that's really how we built the community and how we built something which is not just founded in work, but these experiences, like I said, is really under the umbrella of life. Yeah. And, you know, it can be mind, health, anything. Mm-hmm. And But they are curated to bring people together um, so that people are connected. 
How are you doing that, um, you know, with limitations on numbers of people in rooms? Are you, have you moved all of that? Yeah, so the bigger events are, well? have been more, you know, we've done virtual events, which is not the same. Yeah. Um, we've tried with that, uh, but it is smaller events. Mm. It's a lot of roundtables. It's what a lot of the one-to-one really important as well. Mm. So we've done a lot of roundtables, a lot of... There's actually an event this afternoon. It's a poetry uh, talk, and it's very small. You know, twenty, twenty-five people, um, and that's the sort of we, you know we, we we're not going much further than that at the moment. When you when you talk about um, changing tack for a minute, when you talk about learning from other disciplines, you know, now six months later, it seems to me we're all data experts. We're all um, antiviral experts we're all read up we all think we know everything i wonder you know our leaders you couldn't pay me enough to be in their in their shoes at the moment i think they're doing it's it's a very difficult job for them to Mm. do um and i wonder when you watch some of the decision making are you frustrated by um you know going down one path and sticking to it doggedly um or by being too relaxed about it at the start do you look at that and think, you know, there could have been a better approach there if there'd been more people in the room? I think so. I, you know, I think it's um, it's a polarising topic, right? <laughs> you know, and it's uh, I think there's a lack of holistic, you know, a, a holistic approach mm-hmm. where you look at all the levers and all the impacts this virus is having on us as a society, right? Because it's everything from societal, mental, economy, health, lives, you know, it, there's so many elements. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the decision makers have been focused for good reasons, you know, to keep people alive. Yeah. But there are short-term, medium and long-term effects of what has been um, done, you know, mm-hmm. from from a, from a leadership perspective. Mm-hmm. So, and I think they have not been discussed. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Um, they've been discussed openly enough mm-hmm. and it's perfectly fine to disagree and I think mm-hmm. sometimes we all think we have to agree on something it's not that's not democracy to me you know mm-hmm. democracy is that you debate and you can you know you have different opinions it doesn't mean that you hate each other it doesn't mean that you don't respect the other person it's mm-hmm. just you debate it and I don't think there's been enough debate about the decision that's been made and and Given that it's such an unknown, we're really just making it up as we go to a great extent. And having said that, I'm sure that, you know, we're just seeing a little part of the picture. We don't have the full picture. But I wish there was a more holistic approach Mm. and having a real discussion from a press perspective as well. About really the entire impact of this, and you know, and 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 discussing what's it worth, you know, and what to what extent, you know, how far are we going to go? Yeah, right. Yeah, and I don't think we've had that. I think we're going to wake up and we're going to realize the damage that's been done Mm. on so many levels. This concept of um, debate—that's actually what you're creating there at Work Club, with with lots of different people having opinions and ideas, and. if you ha- can have open debate, it actually gets you to the, a better place yeah, because you've seen it from different angles. Yeah. And I think um, it's a cultural thing almost. I'm born in Denmark yeah. and in Denmark you, you discuss and you disagree and you have a dinner yeah. party where, you know, you can shout and you can be highly, you know, you disagree, right? Yeah. And it's kind of, it's fine. And then you walk off and no hard feelings. Mm. I think sometimes here 
Maybe that's pushing it a bit, but uh, I don't always feel that can be done in Australia in the same way. We're a bit more reserved. Yeah, or a little bit more. Um, I don't. I don't take anything personal. If yeah. people say they don't agree, you know, that's yeah. perfectly fine. You know, yeah. it's just. Uh, but I, but I think this it's obviously this is so polarizing. Yeah. That it's creating so many emotions at both ends. Yeah, and of course a very pressurized situation for our yeah. leaders. So for you, what's the greatest opportunity for you and Work Club in all of this? I think the shift to flexibility and companies and people wanting uh, flexibility, agility. The wholesale shift. Yeah, it's not it's just a, working mums anymore. It's no, wholesale. it's not a cyclical shift. Yeah. It's a permanent shift. Yeah. Companies of all sizes have figured out that they can work remotely. Yeah. Um, what they also will figure out is there's not a permanent solution. So I think it's going to be a hybrid going forward mm-hmm. where... Um, footprints in CBDs of companies will be smaller, mm. long-term footprints, mm. long-term commitments. Uh, there'll be some flex in the CBD location and then these fringe locations will flourish mm. and come up where um, companies will buy access mm-hmm. to their staff. And, and I think people are going to work from home more, uh, but people are also going to work from different locations, mm. not just the head office. Mm. And it will depend on what they do. It will depend on their preferences. It will depend on their work styles Mm. and their circumstances. Um, There's a whole shift which is which is which is going to happen, and the landlords are seeing it. They're starting to understand it slowly right now, and understanding that they have to take a completely different approach, because the demand side is already showing that. You know, the amount of sublet space that's coming on the market yeah, is phenomenal. 100%. So in all of this, Soren, what do you think is the greatest opportunity for you and Work Club? So I'm passionate about what I call connected human ecosystems. That sounds a bit fluffy, but essentially if you talk about buildings, there's been a lot of focus on buildings from a... Um, uh, prop, from a from a when you say the smarts of buildings, there's been a lot of focus about the operational parts of yeah. the smarts of buildings. So using prop tech, driving efficiencies, driving down cost of buildings. Mm. We want to be the smarts of buildings from a human perspective. Um, we're just about to open in Melbourne a new site. It's called Older Fleet. It's on Collins Street, uh, four seven seven Collins. It's a it's a new tower. 70,000 square meters mm-hmm. and it's there's this beautiful line of um, three heritage buildings on the front on Collins Street. We've taken 4,000 square meters and we're essentially going to manage that entire building from a human perspective. So we are going to extend our principles of how we bring people together from our own space into the entire building. And the way we're going to do it is we've taken some uh, traditional workspace in the top of the tower We've got the three heritage buildings on the front. Uh, we have a conference facility, training facility. We have a business lounge. We have a cafe and a retail concept, which is public on Collins Street. And we have a public bar concept called Valhalla in the basement. Of the, uh, and by the way, retail is called Saga, so it's all quite Nordic. Um, and But we're also running the front of house, the concierge services for the entire house, uh-huh. because it's not just about our 500 members, it's about the 7,000 people that 
work in that building. And for us to get to know them and get to connect with them, we need to be at the front of that building. That's how you access their thinking. That's how you start being together. And that's how we connect and how we get to know you when you come into the building once a week, every day, once a month, and get to know you and how we can link you in or hook you into these experiences that we create. So the concierge do all the things that a concierge would do, but Mm. they're not really a concierge. They're facilitator connector to bring you into these experiences that we have created across that entire building now once you've been to one of those experiences or two you will seek them yourself yes our barista in the retail and in the cafe is not just baristas they're facilitators connectors uh-huh. our bartenders in Valhalla is not just bartenders they are there to connect and try and pull you into that ecosystem. And there's kind of three kinds of spaces. We we have members only access, mm-hmm. we have members and tenants only, and then we got the public. And we need to touch all three in order to improve that human ecosystem in that building. And uh, the, the magic, I think, from my side is our ability to create the right kind of experiences that are relevant for the 7,000 people, not just the C-suite, not just, you know, a few, but yes, a roundtable for the CEOs, but also things that are of interest and of value to everybody. In to there. bring in all of that thinking. Yeah. That's huge. That's really exciting. One last question that I've got for you, Soren, that I'm asking everyone. Uh, None of us are going anywhere overseas this year. Now, with your accent, you've said you're from Denmark originally. Where were you supposed to go this year and what happened? I was supposed to go in April to Denmark, actually, and Italy. Um, So, yeah, with the family for four weeks. We hadn't been for three years Mm -hmm. together, all three or four of us. Um, So we were going to go to Denmark, drop the kids off in Denmark and uh, go down to Lake Como. And yet. <laughs> and yet. <laughs> You've saved uh, all that money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and it's fine. And, um, you know, it's, it's, life throws you things, right? And, uh, and a holiday doesn't matter. You know, it really doesn't matter. Uh, this, you know, it's, 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 it's about different things now. Beautiful. Soren, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I hope from this you've got some ideas and some themes about how to thrive in a crisis. Now, you can definitely hit the subscribe button if you want to hear more of the show and give us a rating as well. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.